John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, it's Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. John? Yes? This is the High Game Podcast. Oh man, it sure is. I froze up for a minute there. Where is that am okay? I? Yeah. It's totally that. Speaking of where I am, I'm in beautiful West Seattle. So am I. Yeah. You know, we've released these kind of out of band and stuff. Yeah. But today it's hot. Yeah. In the now time. Yeah. It's hot out. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be when this releases in like December. Well, it's Seattle, so it'll probably just get cold and rainy again. Sure. It's very nice out. I got new glasses. They look great, John. Thank you. They look great. I got new shorts. We're both wearing shorts today. We're blinding each other with our Seattle tans. Oh my God, it's terrible. Yeah. That's a cool looking guitar. Today, Ed? Yeah. We're going to be talking about the Gibson Thin Lines. Okay. Is a 335 a thin line? Yes. Okay. Thin line essentially just means not some big old fat jazz box. Right. Skinnier than that. So we have to wonder, Mm -hmm. well... You won't after today. Oh. Why did they make thin lines? Sure. As an example, I have the first thin line Gibson ever made. This is an ES225TN. TN. T for thin line. Oh. N N for natural. Yes, Ed. Beverages. What do you got, John? What do I got? Yeah. I'm back on the Orca train. I got some grapefruit kiss. Oh, great. From our good friends at Orca up there in Muckleteo. A lovely green bottle. 
their bottle game is it's pretty top good. notch. But I'm looking on the bottle, I don't see any particular slogan. For a beverage called Grapefruit Kiss, Yeah, there's a lot you could do with that. Sure. Put your tongue in it. Grapefruit French Kiss. Something. <laughs> it's citrusy. Mm-hmm. And sparkling. Yeah. It's lovely. Of course, I also have coffee because that's what we do. Yeah. Hey, look at that. What? What? It's got juice in a jar, yeah. probably that he made. Yep. And the color is completely acceptable today. I didn't have any kale or spinach. Had I had kale, I might have thrown some in, which would have freaked John out. I should maybe pour a little of this into a cup for you. This is two lemons. Yes. One grapefruit. Yes. One orange. Uh-huh. And two apples. Two apples. The apples kind of cut out the citrus. Ginger? I was also out of ginger. I don't think you have ever tried any Ed Peterson Juicy Boy. That's not true. No? You brought some that had the ginger in it. Oh, sure. It was really good. Okay, Ed has poured me some into my water bottle. Yep. Contaminated my water bottle. Wonderfully citrusy. Yeah. Hint of apple. See? Don't put the green stuff in there. (laughs) Just do this. I think the green stuff is the thing that's straight up good for you, though. Mm. It's great, right? I just swig that down like there was no tomorrow. It's got a little bit of a kick to it. I like that. Go out into the yard, pick some mint. Mm-hmm. We've got a raspberry bush that's starting to pop out the raspberries. I bet they taste better than the ones by the bus stop. You think? <laughs> you ever notice that? By bus stops, there'll be like yeah. blackberries and raspberries. And off the top of your head, you're thinking... I should eat those raspberries. Sure. And then you start thinking about people urinating in the bushes and think, maybe I shouldn't eat those raspberries. I don't know. Maybe that's the difference between me and you. <laughs> like, it could be. I'm super into those. Well done, Ed. Thank you. This Ed yeah. is an ES225, as I've said. It has 175 vibes, but without the thick daddy. But I don't know if I could have said, oh, it's a 225. There's just a bunch of those numbers, right? The 225, 175, 335. It's got that kind of arch top thing going on. It does. That's nice. Arched top and back. Yeah, that's nice. It's got a really weird tailpiece. It does. Okay. This is natural colored and mm-hmm. it has a single P90. And there is a tone and a volume and that is it. Is that the guitar that my favorite Patriot and guitar player plays? Ted Nugent. It is not. Okay. Similar. I wonder if I wrote that down somewhere. Perhaps I didn't care enough. About what he plays? Yeah. He's a massive piece of shit. Okay, so where does this begin at? When do you think the first electric arch top was made by Gibson? First electric arch top. Jazzy boy. Yeah. With an actual pickup in it. Man, I want to say 40s, but I'm almost thinking it could have even been earlier than that. Yeah, it was 1936. That was the ES-150. 36. Yeah. 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 Jazz cat Charlie Christian favored those. Okay. That's kind of where the story starts. The ES-150 was kind of like an acoustic with a pickup on it. Did it have F-holes or did it have... F-holes. Okay. Yeah. 
1949, the ES-175 comes out. Florentine cutaway, two P90s. Multiple iterations between 36 and 49 of other weirdo yeah, yeah, flavors were, in between there. Yeah. There were miscellaneous things. I'm hitting okay. you with the mileposts. Right. Got it. You know the next milepost we're heading towards. Solid body electrics? Yeah. Okay. They play a part in this. Okay. Yeah. The Les Paul's introduced. Mm-hmm. And along with it, the ES-295. 295. Another one that I couldn't identify. It's very strange. Take a 175 mm-hmm. and paint it gold. Ooh. That's the 295. And then change <laughs> up some of the appointments, like bridge and pickup configuration and stuff. That look, yeah, that kind of hollow body, F-hold, gold paint look, yeah. caught the eye of Scotty Moore, guitarist for Elvis Presley. Okay. Who played that thing on most of Elvis's early records. Great. Scotty Moore? Yeah. Oh, no. Elvis. Died on the shitter, right? That's as I understand it, yes. Is that apocryphal? Not in my mind. No. In my mind, he was double fisting it. Some barbiturates in one hand mm-hmm. and a peanut butter and banana fried sandwich in the other hand. Did he have mayo on his peanut butter? Was it something no. weird like that? It was just peanut butter, banana? Yeah, peanut butter, banana, fried. How do I know this? Yeah. I've been to Graceland. I paid to take the audio tour. Oh. It was awesome. The audio tour was narrated by Priscilla Presley. That must have been lovely. It was great. Room to room, and she would talk about how Elvis lived his life. And when we got to the kitchen, yeah, she described the sandwiches and right. how much he loved those sandwiches. Yeah. And I remember one line, Priscilla Presley's voice in my ear going, <laughs> that Elvis. <laughs> Yeah, is that great? A thing I had been having, because I think they're just lovely, is these peanut butter banana sandwiches. Yes! I take the banana and I cut it up into slices and then waffle and pepper sit at my feet as I'm preparing my peanut butter sandwich. And they're silly for banana. But turns out, if you eat peanut butter banana sandwiches on the reg, that's not good for you. It's wild how much fat and cholesterol, shit you shouldn't be putting in your body. It's terrible. And delicious. This thing sounds really great. It's beautiful. As much as Ed may not be the biggest Gibson fan, they make some really great guitars. So now we get to the meat of it. Did you say what year this is? This particular example? Yeah. 1958. Is there binding on it? There is, top and bottom. Now here's where the rubber meets the road, Ed. So remember, the 52 is the Les Paul. Yep. Just two years later, 54, for the first time in its history, Gibson's electrics outsell their acoustics. Oh. Wait, when you say electric, you don't mean solid body. You mean guitar with pickup in it. Yes. The only thing surprising about that to me is that it took until 54. Yeah, maybe. The technology got to a point where Seth Lover was working on the PAF Mm, pickup, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I think it was becoming more tenable. All I have to say is I am just ecstatic that you did not have to play the gong for Seth Lover. Oh, yeah. Isn't that fortunate? Uh, (sighs) Seth. Boy, this is going to be brutal. Yeah. Oh, Les Paul. Oh, (sighs) god damn. Yeah. That's four dongs. That's a four-donger yeah. right here at the <laughs> beginning. <sighs> but they had a problem. They had these electric guitars yep. at the top of the heap. 
was the Les Paul, the solid body. By mid-50s. Yeah, that was the thing. Fender's got solid bodies. Gibson's got the Les Paul. Yep. But people were feeling like Gibson was leaving the purists or the more traditional jazz cats kind of in the lurch. We want you to still make electric jazzy boxes, but now maybe we don't need them to be the big, fat things that are hard to get your hand around. Yeah. Can't you upgrade that shit the same way you did with the Les Paul, make something new for us? Right. Gibson took that to heart and thought, okay, how can we make the jazz boxes easier to manage? Of course, the first thing was, let's make them thinner. Yeah. So in 1955, in July at NAMM, they introduced this thing. The ES-225. Tell me, Ed. Yeah. Is this a hollow body or a semi-hollow body? And this is going to be so fun because it's a trick question. Oh, is it? Well, I'm going to say it's a hollow body, but it's a trick question, so yeah. Let me go hollow. I think a lot of people think that, too. Yeah. They hadn't yet come across the idea of the center block going all the way down. Yeah. But they wanted to control feedback to the degree that it was possible. Okay. So I don't know what you would call this, half block? There is a solid block of maple from the bridge to the back of the guitar. Oh, funny. But from the bridge up towards the neck, it's hollow. Huh. I don't think that that was any kind of check us out being clever in our design. I think it was more like they hadn't yet arrived at what would be the final conclusion. I would almost say a stability thing, but they had had decades of making jazz boxes that were hollow. So put that block of wood in there because you can. Maybe thinking it helps with sustain, maybe? Could be. You have a 175 and this 225? Yes. Side by side. Acoustically, they would be vastly different. The volume of air coming out of the 175 is so much greater. Sure. I wonder how different they sound plugged in. You know, my dumb argument that the wood doesn't matter, it's the pickup. I wonder if that volume on the 175 matters at all. If we say the wood doesn't matter, and we think of how the sound is transmitted, a string vibrates in front of a pickup and that goes to your amp. Done. Well, the string vibrates in relation to what's going on with the top, Sure. And the top is vibrating relative to the amount of air that is or is not inside the guitar. And I would think that block of wood just holds the top more firmly down. Yeah. The bridge that's on this, yeah, they stole from Les Paul. The early Les Pauls had what was called a combined bridge and tailpiece. It goes all the way back to the end of the guitar, and it's a wraparound bridge. This combined tailpiece was also used on the Les Paul from 52 to 53. Right at the beginning, before they ended up with the stop tail. Yeah. Single P90 on this, laminated pickguard, Brazilian rosewood neck. Okay. At the point, I guess they could do that. You go into Canada with this thing, and they're like, fuck you, we'll be taking that. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've got a new 225. What was that first chord? This one? Yeah. It's a diminished chord. Fantastic. Jazzy jazz. Yeah. So it sold pretty well. They made a lot of these things. Okay. It was pretty popular. But, Ed, when it was introduced, Mm -hmm. 225, Mm -hmm. in 1955, Mm. how much was it? In Ike Bucks. I'm not into Ike Bucks. What are you paying for this thing? Play a little I Like Ike Guess the Amount song. 
You forgot to do a diminished chord in there. Sorry. $312. $312 in Ike dollars. I think so. No. $225? No. Okay. $179.50. I was way off. Today, that's 1957. Mm. The $2,000 rule applies. Maybe it's because this is kind of a planer guitar, you know, like it doesn't have the big block inlays. There's nothing fancy about this. This is the workman guitar. That is very insightful, Ed. Oh. This was part of a group of three thin line models. Okay. This was the first of the three. Mm -hmm. The second one, next expensive, is the ES350. Do I know that one? Chuck Berry played it. Okay. And then at the top of the line was the Birdland, B-Y-R-D-L-A-N-D. Yeah. The reason I spell it out is because it's a portmanteau, Ed. I know you love those. Yeah. The two guys that contributed to it, Billy Bird. Oh. Lost him in 2001. Chuck Berry? Chuck Berry. Yeah, Chuck. Mm. 2017 for Chuck. Oh, man. Yeah, fairly recently, I yeah. guess. Anyway, Billy Bird and yeah. Hank Garland. Oh, Birdland. Man, yep. are we like a 7-8 donger? We're dong heavy. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that differentiated the Birdland yeah. from the other two in the Thin Line series, the Birdland was a solid carved top. Okay, I don't know what that means. This one, the ES-225 and the ES-350 were laminated. Oh. The Birdland is a solid piece of wood that they hand-carved into an arch. Old school. I do not know enough about the construction of guitars to even understand what that means and how it works, really. You've seen plywood? Sure. It's laminated. This is a laminated top. Yes. Does it go over another piece of wood, or is it just laminate? They form it. You can steam it into the arch shape. Oh, so they just have a mold and they put wood in it and apply heat uh-huh. and it just holds that shape forever. Yeah. As opposed to a carved top, which some guy by hand is carving to be this shape. Yeah. Man, how much time does that take? Those Damn. guys know how to do what's called tap tuning. Yeah. They've got the top off. They're carving little pieces of wood off at a time and yep. they're going... I need to take off more over there. Magician style. Yeah. Wizard. The Birdland in 1955 was 550 bucks. This thing was a 175, 179. 179.50, yeah. And that thing was 550. So that's like a $6,000 guitar? Yeah. (laughs) So this 225, you're right, was meant to come in as the inexpensive option, or as Gibson called it at the time. Ooh. The popular price field. Sure. Absolutely. In 1956, just one year after this thing came out, Mm. they put two pickups in it. TN, this is a thin line, Uh natural. Yes. Two pickups. T-D? Yes. T-D-N. Okay. Thin line, double pickup. Yep. Natural finish. These are a lot of fun, these ear pedals. Sure, You can do stuff with them. Yeah. Now we're to 1958. The 335. The 335. As a result of that, they decided, Gibson that is, to place their bets all in on that 300 series. They discontinued the ES-225. 
This one right here. So they only made it for four years. Weird. You said they sold a lot. They did, but they decided the 300 series, specifically, I guess, the 335 was where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And I think they were right. This is evocative of a jazz box, but thin. Yes. So they kept making jazz boxes. Yes. But the thin style guitars all went to like the 335 platform. Until 1960. Okay. They put out the 125, which is similar to this. Okay. Essentially. Let's just say it's very close to this. The 125 and the 135, which are similar to each other, are also pretty damn cool. The 135, in fact, was reissued in the 90s, and they have it in black. I want that guitar. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Florentine cutaway thin line in black. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. Any of these <laughs> things, you put them in black and... Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. When did Norlin come into the picture? CMI, which was the Ecuadorian brewing and concrete conglomerate that took over Gibson, was 69. And Gibson still kind of ran things. But that CMI would morph into Norlin around 74. So 60s, we just have straight up like Mad Men style dudes in suits in the office running things. Yeah. Love it. Thinking up stuff like this. <laughs> Law and order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dick Wolf energy. You know how this strikes me playing this thin line with the Florentine? Yep. It seems like a rock and roll machine. Throwing all these pedals at it, it doesn't care. Yeah, you could do that all day long with this thing. It's really nice. You gotta try it. Try and decide. Is it hello or goodbye? Goodbye or goodbye? Ed? Yeah. The first thin line bodied guitar. Yeah. Gibson made. Yep. 1955. Yep. Buyer denied. Maybe this is story time with Ed about this guitar or something. I don't know. I just went to our good friends at Thunder Road Guitars. Thunderroadguitars.com? Yeah, that place. Yeah. I went in there and I took a Gibson ES-175. 1960, if I recall 1960, correctly. 1960, and I just never vibed with it, you know? And so I think I would totally buy this thing. It's cooler than the 175, I think. But I would worry that I would buy this and it would have a very similar fate. How about you? That 135 in black. Oh, yeah. Would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. But this thing, maybe even the double pickup one would be nice. I don't know. Just keep it simple. Boy, that does sound very nice. Yeah. I'm going to take lots of pictures of this, Ed. Yeah. Put them on the internet. So if for no other reason people can clearly delineate in their mind the difference between what Chuck Berry played and what Ted Nugent played. And Michael J. Fox. And Michael J. Fox. You're going to want to keep that straight in your head, everybody. So I'll take pictures. For sure. I'll make sure they go up. You can see them on our website, which is thehighgain.com. Mm-hmm. Or go to Instagram at thehighgain. Yeah. Or Facebook. Go over there, boomer. <laughs> Man. <laughs> if you want to go see the Peterson dumpster fire, look uh, him up. 
I'm more than happy to take those friend requests. Just beware. <laughs> well, okay. I look forward to you telling me how many new followers you have on Facebook. Ed. Oh, sure. Sure, yeah. Okay, then. Bye. Bye.